Skeletons in the closet, dirty laundry. We've got a few names, haven't we, for things we want to hide, things that embarrass us. We've all got them. There's things in my life I don't want you to know about. There's things in your life you don't want me to know about. So our skeletons, we want to keep them in the closet. We don't want them brought out into the open. We don't put our skeletons on the mantelpiece for everyone to see. Our secrets, that would bring us shame. We want them to be kept secret. But what if they weren't? What if people knew? And what if it wasn't just your close friends who knew? What if everyone in Dubbo knew your dark past? So it didn't matter what shop you went to, what restaurant you ate at, what park you sat in, what street you walked down, everywhere you went, everyone in town knew your dark, ugly truth. In the part of the Bible we're looking at this morning, we're introduced to a prostitute and in her town, everyone knew who she was and what she did. Here in Dubbo, I could walk down the main street of town, meet one of the town prostitutes, but I'd never know that that's what she was. But this woman, everyone knew. Her dirty laundry strewn all over the place. And this woman comes face to face with God himself. Jesus is God with us, as we've been thinking about over the past few weeks, and it is extraordinary how Jesus treats this woman. And it shows us that there's hope for us too that we might come to God. That no matter what skeletons we have in our closet, Jesus is willing to forgive us. Now there's another fellow who's part of the action. You would have noticed him in the Bible reading, uh, the Pharisee. We'll see what being a Pharisee means in a moment. And in the verses, first the Pharisee and the prostitute take the initiative and they approach Jesus And after they've shown their true colours, Jesus then responds to them both. So we'll look at each in turn. First up is the Pharisee and Jesus. And it seems as if he gets off on the right foot because he invites Jesus over for dinner. So verse 36 on the inside of your bulletin, it's that first one, first sentence up there. Verse 36. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now on the surface of things, this is a pretty swank invite for Jesus to receive uh, because the Pharisees were right up there among the socially elite of their day because they were one of the religious heavyweights at the time. Uh, We might say that they were like uh, bishops or archbishops in church today, though even that would be underselling it because Church dignitaries today, uh, by and large, they're ignored by the rest of society because our culture, well, it's moved on. But back in Jesus' day in Judea, they were a very religious society. And so to be one of the religious heavyweights back then, that carried with it a lot of clout. And the Pharisees were right up there among the elite of the religious. They were regarded as righteous and holy and wise. And of all people, God surely looked upon the Pharisees and was pleased with them. Other people certainly looked up to them. But the Pharisees, they looked down on Jesus. They didn't get along with him at all. In fact, in the verses immediately before our section today, we learn that the Pharisees had turned dead against Jesus. And that's because Jesus had entered into the religious marketplace, but he was saying some different ideas. He was going against the establishment. 
And he was taking aim at the Pharisees while he was at it. And so there was a bit of animosity between Jesus and the Pharisees, which makes it a bit weird that this Pharisee would invite Jesus over for dinner. Now, at this stage, the heat between them isn't too intense. And so it could be that the Pharisees wanting to cash in on Jesus' popularity. As we've seen over the past few weeks, hordes of people were flocking to Jesus to hear him and to be healed by him. And so Jesus, with his crowds of followers, he, he was considered something of a player in the scheme of things. And maybe having Jesus over for dinner was like having a celebrity in your house. Or maybe for the Pharisee, Jesus was someone to learn more about, possibly someone to sort out. We're not sure at this stage. In a few verses, we'll see what kind of reception the Pharisee gave to Jesus. But before we do, uh, Luke, the bloke who wrote this book, he introduces us to the prostitute who makes her own approach to Jesus. Now, in the eyes of the people like the Pharisee, uh, this woman, she was a filthy, disgusting, God-forsaken individual. And yet, she approaches Jesus. Verse 37 When a woman who lived a sinful life in that town, in other words, a prostitute, when she learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. All right, this is a bit weird at this point, don't you think? Because remember, we're at a Pharisee's house, you know, religious, holy, pious man. And he's invited some people over and a known prostitute gate crashes the party i mean how'd she even get in the front door back then at a typical banquet the front doors of the house would have been wide open and not just the invited guests come in but outsiders were allowed to come and go particularly when a special guest was present in the middle of the dining room there'd be a long low table with couches around uh, surrounding the table and guests would recline at the table kind of lying down leaning on one elbow with their feet out behind. And any outsiders that would be present would be gathered behind them at their feet. And on this occasion, one of the outsiders that came in was a prostitute, a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town. And everyone knew who she was and what she did. And so it would have taken a lot of courage, don't you think, for her to even walk into the Pharisee's house? Let alone then do what she did. Because she could have come into the house on the quiet, you know, hoping no one would see her, wear some covering clothing to hopefully hide her identity and maybe, just maybe, sidle up to Jesus and ask him a question on the quiet. But that's not what she does. The way she came in, she couldn't have drawn more attention to herself if she tried. Look at verse 38 again. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. Now remember, this is a known prostitute. Wiping Jesus' feet with her hair, kissing him and pouring perfume on him. Could easily be seen as being sexually provocative. Certainly our host, the Pharisee, saw it as a possibility. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. So the Pharisee's clearly uncomfortable with what's going on. 
That's understandable, though. I mean, a prostitute is falling all over one of his guests. She's a hooker, a whore. Now, you might be a little bit uncomfortable that I've used those words, but imagine how the Pharisee feels. The prostitute is in his house at his party, seemingly plying her trade with one of his guests. I mean, how would you feel if it happened at one of your dinner parties? And yet the Pharisee seems more worked up about Jesus of all people. He condemns Jesus for having no idea about this woman and that he's simply letting her touch him. For his part, Jesus seems quite at ease with letting the woman do what she's doing. The Pharisee's outraged. Jesus is content. There's clearly something going on here that the Pharisee just doesn't get. And it's at this point that Jesus now takes charge. Uh, The Pharisee and the prostitute have approached Jesus. Jesus now addresses them both. And first up is Jesus and the Pharisee. And Jesus wants to help this Pharisee to understand. The Pharisee thinks this woman's just a prostitute clambering all over Jesus. But Jesus wants the Pharisee to know that he's got the woman all wrong. And he's got Jesus all wrong too. And Jesus really wants this Pharisee and he wants us to understand what's going on because there's something really significant about Jesus on show here and he doesn't want you to miss it. So in verse 39, that the Pharisee muttered to himself about Jesus and the woman. What Verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he cancelled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Now, it's not rocket science, is it? You know, who's going to love the money lender more? The one who had the bigger debt cancelled. That's easy. Even Simon the Pharisee can get it. But now Jesus is going to help Simon to see how this applies to the prostitute. He's going to use this story to explain to Simon what the woman is doing because she's not making sexual advances towards Jesus. She's looking for her huge debt to be cancelled. She's looking for forgiveness. Verse 44. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon. Now just notice those words first. Jesus is continuing to talk to Simon, but as he does so, he turns toward the woman, the despised hooker, the poor woman that everyone else detests, and Jesus turns to her as he speaks to Simon. His main concern is for the woman. He'll deal with Simon, but even as he does so, he wants this woman to know of his compassion for her. Verse 44 again, Then he turned toward the woman And said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. But she has poured perfume on my feet. 
the washing of a guest's feet, the greeting kiss, the pouring of oil, these were just common acts of hospitality back then, a little bit like shaking someone's hand as they come into your house today. Now back then the host, he might have had some of his servants do some of the tasks like washing the guest's feet, but it was just standard custom to greet a guest with a kiss and have their feet washed. But Simon's done none of this for Jesus. From the moment Jesus entered his house, Simon has snubbed Jesus. He hasn't even paid him common courtesy, let alone respect. But everything Simon was meant to do out of just common courtesy, the woman has done in bucket loads. Forget getting a servant to wash Jesus' feet. She did it herself with her own tears. And forget a token greeting kiss, she's not stopped kissing his feet. And forget anointing with just common oil, she's broken open expensive perfume and poured it on Jesus. Friends, she's not making sexual advances towards Jesus, she's just doing the normal acts of hospitality just on steroids. She's revering him, she's going way beyond common courtesy, she's clearly overwhelmed in the presence of Jesus. And in the next verse we discover it's because in Jesus she's found God's forgiveness. She knows her many sins. And she knows that God hates her sin. And that one day God will rain down punishment on her sin. As he will do so for all of us. But in Jesus she's found God's pardon. And like in Jesus' story, you know, the person with the bigger debt clear they're the ones that love a lot this woman loves Jesus a lot because she knows she's been forgiven a lot verse 47 Jesus talking to Simon says therefore I tell you her many sins have been forgiven for she loved much but he who has been forgiven little loves little this woman knows her many sins and so she knows that in Jesus she's been forgiven much and so she loves much Simon had her all wrong he thought she was just some floozy trying to rustle up some business and he thought that Jesus was a buffoon for not seeing her for what she was when in reality this poor woman's just seeking forgiveness and Jesus he's not a buffoon he's God with us the one who can forgive sins In fact, forgiving people's sins is the very reason Jesus even came to earth in the first place. Not long after this dinner party, Jesus would allow himself to be strung up on a wooden cross and crucified, executed. Not for his sin, but for people just like us. To take our place, to take our guilt and shame and and our pride and anger. And he took it all upon himself taking God's punishment for us so that we could be forgiven. This is how how much Jesus loves to forgive. He would even die for it. And this is why Jesus is happy for the woman to touch him. Because he knew why she had come to him. And even though her coming to him in the middle of a dinner party at a Pharisee's house, that's not the greatest time for Jesus. I mean, it's made him look pretty bad in front of everyone there. But Jesus doesn't push her on. He doesn't tell her to come back later. He doesn't say, oh, look, you know, now's not an appropriate time. Could you, could you maybe come back? He doesn't say any of that. Because Jesus has this amazing capacity to look through sin 
with love. And he was so transparent in his love for people that a prostitute could gatecrash a Pharisee's party and come to him for forgiveness. Today you'll hear people say things like, you know, I don't want to come to church because I feel like I'll be judged. You know, if people knew what I was like, they wouldn't welcome me at church. And yet with Jesus himself, people did the exact opposite. Even prostitutes openly came to him because you just knew that with Jesus, you would find forgiveness. He has an amazing capacity to look through sin with love and forgive people. Simon just didn't get this about Jesus. I wonder if you get this about him. That he can look right through your sin with love. We'll come back to that thought. But having straightened Simon out, Jesus now gives his complete attention to the woman. Uh, As he was looking at the woman but talking to Simon, Jesus already said to Simon that she's been forgiven. But Jesus has far too much love to leave it at that. And so now he speaks directly to the woman. And I want you, if you can, try and put yourself in the woman's shoes. In this moment of brokenness, as she's weeping with sorrow and regret, overwhelmed by her sin. And now she has a man looking her in the eye, but not seeing her as an object, but as a person in need. And verse 48, then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine how those words would have felt? I don't know if you've noticed, but in these verses, uh, this woman is so fragile, she doesn't say a word. She's so broken, all she can do is weep, crumpled up at Jesus' feet, overcome with her own failures. You can only just imagine how much she must have hated herself. And Jesus looks her in the eye and says to her, your sins are forgiven. The relief and the gladness that would have washed over her. Now, this is all very nice for this woman. It's a lovely story, but this wasn't recorded so that we get all gooey for the woman. This was written down to help us understand Jesus so that we'd get him, so that we would come to him for forgiveness. So let me ask you, where are things at with Jesus and you? Are you more like Simon Or are you more like the woman? Are you like Simon that you just don't really get Jesus? There might even be things about him that he says and that he does and you you actually disapprove of them. At best, you keep Jesus at arm's length. You're happy enough with your own life. You don't feel like you need Jesus. You might be interested enough to kind of hover around him. I mean, you're even here at church this morning. But like Simon, you don't really pay Jesus any real attention. Look, if in all honesty that's you right now, can I say we're really glad you're here. We love that you've come along to find out at least something more about Jesus. We've got some free leaflets. They're in the foyer as you walk out through those doors and you're more than welcome to take whatever you like. They're our gift to you because we really want you to know that Jesus can forgive you. But maybe you're like the woman and you would love to be forgiven by God. Because you know your failures. 
You know what it feels like to be overcome with your guilt. And you would love to have a clean slate with God. Because you know your dark thoughts of anger and hatred towards someone. Or the lies you've spread to cover your tracks. The pornographic websites or magazines you've looked at. The times you've yelled and screamed at your kids. The bitter resentment that you've just unwilling to let go of. Those flashes of frustration and rage that well up within you. Along with everything else that lies in the wake of your mistake-riddled life. Maybe you're even more like the prostitute than anyone here knows. Maybe you've been a prostitute. Or you've gone to them. Or in the past you were quite promiscuous. Maybe you've had an adulterous affair. We've all got our skeletons in the closet. Before God, we're all in massive debt. But here's the thing. The Lord Jesus wants you to know it doesn't matter what skeletons you've got in your closet. Really. It doesn't matter. Jesus wants to forgive you. Do you get that about him? That he has an amazing capacity to look through your sin with love. He's even totally at ease with a prostitute coming to him at a Pharisee's dinner to ask for forgiveness. He's willing to forgive you no matter what you've done. And so like this woman, we should all come to Jesus in brokenness, admitting our sin, no matter how humiliating or embarrassing, before God we should come. With our mess and with our shame, we should come and lay it all at his feet. And when you do, the wonderful news is that in Jesus we find forgiveness and peace. Look at verse 49, those last couple of verses. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus is God with us, who has already died for our sins. It's already been done for us, like we were thinking about last week. That's why Jesus can say to the woman and to us, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And so you no longer have to fear God. You no longer have to fear God's punishment because when you come to God admitting your sin, he looks you in the eye and forgives you. He looks into your soul and cleanses you. He looks into your pain and gives you peace. So come to God. And admit your sin and hear the words of Christ. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that it does not matter what we have done. Your son has done enough. That, Father, your love for us in him can cover over all our sin. 
no matter what our shame and guilt. Father, in your Son, we can be forgiven and at peace with you. Father, thank you so much. And we pray that you would help us all to understand just how extraordinary Jesus is. That, Father, we would all come to you, admitting our sin, knowing that you are more than willing to forgive. Father, please help us in this, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.